Pediatric Junkies, and welcome back to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Lasky-McFarlane, and today we have the second half of the conversation we started with a member of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Workgroup within the APTA Academy of Pediatric Physical Therapy, Dr. Mika Mitchell. Dr. Mika Mitchell is a pediatric physical therapist and a professor at Methodist University in Fayetteville, North Carolina, where she teaches pediatrics and other foundational PT courses. She serves as the APTA Pediatrics North Carolina Pediatric Advocacy Liaison, and in 2018, she joined the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Workgroup within APTA Pediatrics. She has presented at CSM on how the understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion are paramount to practicing as a pediatric therapist. This episode will focus on how competency within diversity, equity, and inclusion are imperative as a pediatric physical therapist, challenges the profession faces, and the intentional work being done by our colleagues to advance our profession. If you missed the first half of this conversation focusing on the foundational concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion, make sure you go back and take a listen to our last episode. There are some amazing things we talked about there that set the tone for this conversation today. Without further ado, here is my continued conversation with Dr. Mika Mitchell. Hope you enjoy. Before we start, I have included our introductions as we started them at the beginning of the last podcast. Since there's no visuals for our listeners, it's important to understand our identities, or who we are, in the context of our topic. I'm really happy to have you on and excited to talk diversity, equity, and inclusion from Diverse Voices. Myself, a gay Asian American woman, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Well, my name is Mika Mitchell. I'm a Black, cisgender female, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. I currently live in North Carolina, where I'm a professor at Methodist University and an early intervention PT provider. Now that you know who we are, we'll dive right in. So now that we have covered some of the foundational concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we understand the work group and some of the work that it's doing. I'd like to step into some of your experiences as a pediatric physical therapist and professor over the years, if you're on board. Yes. All right. So is there one thing that drove you to focus on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion education and understanding within the Academy of Pediatric PT? The need. That's not something that I thought would be my focus. I think it's important to give the voice of the voiceless. And within our profession, within our school programs within the APTA, the representation of minorities is a minority percentage. So 23% of physical therapists are minorities. 3% are Black, 13% are Asian, and less than 1%, and it's a fraction of a percentage, are Native American, American Indians, or Native Alaskans. And with that awareness and with my privilege, this opportunity and the spaces to be able to educate others on this, this is where I use this opportunity to give voice to an underrepresented group. I think that's really powerful. You know, it's a need that we don't necessarily see until maybe we've already had a direction that we want to go in our career, but 
I really appreciate your pivot and focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion because it definitely is a need. And the work coming out of these pursuits is really making a difference. Thank you. Looking into some of the work you're doing, what are some of the things you see as the biggest problems within the profession related to diversity, equity, and inclusion? I think our limitations with the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion is there's so many other things to tackle. And understanding the importance of this voice and the importance of this direction that the APT is going is probably the will continue to help this work move forward. Why does this matter? When we want to diversify our profession, it will benefit our patients. If we want to diversify our profession, it's going to encourage other students. It's going to encourage other students to consider being a professor. It's, I am going to encourage other people because of my representation and representation matters. So if we can understand that, sometimes you can't see where you're going if you can't see yourself in that position. And I think um, if we can all value the, the importance of that, then I think moving forward, we can definitely increase. The hope is that we're increasing our percentage of minorities within our profession. That's really powerful to hear you say, you know, how can we see where we're going if we don't see anybody like us where we want to go? And I think that's true of our patients as well. You know, they're coming into a space where the majority of practicing clinicians are white. And that can be difficult for our kids who come from colorful backgrounds that are very different and may not ever see a healthcare provider that looks like them. And it's so important for us to get some male pediatric physical therapists because that's the other minority within our specialty. And I'm always encouraging anybody. I'm just team peds for all of it, but definitely, you know, if anybody wants to do it, yes, I'm, I will help you. Please go peds. Team peds for everyone. Yes. <laughs> you touched a little bit about being a student, being a minority student. So how do you think limited diversity affects our PTA and DPT programs? Limited diversity affects PT and PTA students from a perspective of they don't always feel like they can relate to their professors or that their professors truly understand um, what they're going through just at that surface level. And sometimes that's why it's important to get to know people at more than just the person, you have to take the time to get to know the individual at a deeper level. Understanding the lived experience of a minority or not understanding the lived experience of a minority and how their experiences are different than a person of a majority, if we're talking about race, I think students feel disenfranchised. They don't feel apart. They don't feel, and this is from hearing from you know the voices of some students that their place in that space does not seem validated 
Yeah, I think that's really important and it makes a lot of sense to me because just like if our if our patients don't identify it with us as clinicians, similarly, students can't identify with their professors in many ways, just like you explained. And I think also we as educators, we can tell when our students are struggling, but sometimes as students they're reluctant to reach out. And my advice would be, even if you're not sure, an email to somebody within your program or um, you know, somebody at your university or your, your school can help you to push forward with the needs that you have. And you should have the support around you for that self-care. Yeah, thank you for mentioning, you know, reach out because I think as we gain more understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how limited diversity is affecting students, more resources are becoming available. And people are understanding that they may not identify with their students in the way they may have perceived just a few years ago, say 10, 15 years ago. As we look at our climate today, and we're looking at a pandemic that has rolled across this country in this globe since late December, how has it highlighted some of the inequities in the healthcare system here in the United States? COVID-19 has exposed a lot of the areas that were probably already struggling. And I think right now we're seeing the immediate effects of it, but we're going to see a lot of compounding effects going forward. And what I mean is There are patients that are not getting therapy. There are people that are not working. There are patients that are at risk of getting really sick and dying. And so in the pediatric side of physical therapy, there are programs that are potentially being cut back. There are services that are not being received because, you know, we have these stay-at-home orders and, you know, people are being really cautious and protective of their health and their, their family and friends. But what's the long-term effects? And I think we're going to have to look at that and see, are early intervention patients or, you know, these clients going to be at risk of further delays? Is there going to be compounding effects of children not receiving therapy for this period of time, um, surgeries that were postponed or pushed off, or the children that do get sick from COVID-19 and have long-lasting health impairments because of it. Mika, if you had to choose which healthcare inequities related to diversity, equity, and inclusion are the most important for pediatric physical therapists to understand? So considering inequities or just even the social determinants of health, with the current pandemic, with the current social unrest because of injustices in our society, I think we have to look at the physical environment of our patients. We're asking people to be more active and be outside in outside spaces. And sometimes that's not very safe. We need to look at those socioeconomic um, status and understanding that a parent will choose going to work sometimes over leaving work to bring their child to therapy and just finding the space and the resources to 
give the child what they need so that they can continue to thrive even though they're in this environment that, um, you know, that their family is living in. Yeah, I think those are really important, especially as you highlighted in our current, in the current climate we're in, both with COVID-19, the pandemic, and social unrest in our country. And, you know, speaking of the social unrest in our country, as both a clinician and an educator, do you have an example maybe of some barriers that exist in the way for people who come from a minority background? So I think sometimes the barriers can be socioeconomic. If you are first-generation college student, first-generation graduate school student, understanding the processes that bring you into the space, what you have to do to apply and get into PT school or PTA school, and then also the cost of where you're going to stay for clinical rotations and um, some of those can be barriers, food insufficiencies can be barriers, um, and where people may struggle. And sometimes when we're, you don't always know why somebody's struggling or maybe withdrawn, it could be some of those factors. And that's where those micro affirmations, that welcoming presence is important to just kind of help. And encouraging a struggling student to reach out for help is also another help. You know, the more we hear things, sometimes it actually starts to sink in like, oh, okay, well, someone's, you know, one person told me to reach out for help. I didn't listen. And I heard that again from somebody else. I kind of listened. I heard it again. And now I'm like, okay, maybe this is what I need. And so I think if you're in a space and you feel isolated, being able to find an ally, somebody that is, can advocate and help you and look out for you um, when sometimes we can't look out for ourselves, I think is important. Speaking of allies, how, how does a person convey that they are an ally? And how, how, do you, how does one go about finding an ally in maybe a space that doesn't mirror who they are? This is the work for anybody that identifies as being of a majority group. And the research that you do, the books that you read, the podcasts that you listen to, the people that you talk to as an ally, you can start to educate yourself on the needs and the, um, the barriers to some of the minorities that are in your sphere, that are in your area, that are in your school or in your clinic. The being an ally is not that you have to answer all the questions and solve all the problems because we talked before about just being that listening ear sometimes is what's necessarily is what's necessary. It's just taking on your privilege, your advantage in a space and assessing the needs of that space and checking in with that person and asking, you know, because there's times where maybe the person of a minority group really needs your verbal support, or maybe they're asking you not to be as verbal and just hearing what the needs are and being receptive to that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And just highlighting that it's important to be flexible and it's important to be 
um, doing the work all the time to learn about the things that you don't know and learn what your implicit biases may be and how you can continue to show that you are an ally to everybody, everyone around. And I think, you know, one last thing I wanted to look at specifically in the social unrest in our country now is a lot of times people like to respond that I treat everybody the same. I don't look at their differences. Everybody is equal to me. And, you know, I want to know how does that sort of colorblind or everybody as equal approach to diversity harm underrepresented minorities? It's important not to be colorblind. We want to see color because we all have a different representation visually um, in our society. And when you say that you're colorblind and that you don't see color, then that demeans the lived experience of the person that you're talking to or that you're interacting with. And being able to see color and understand that not everybody in society in 2020 is treated the same is important because that's how we can move forward and start to make progress so that we have people are being treated more consistently regardless of their color. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important to not think of looking around the world as in this colorblind way because we see color and there's there's no if and or buts about it. So we can't ask everybody around us to not see color when it's a function of our everyday life. And if you didn't hear Mika, rewind it and listen again because what she said is super important and we all need to hear it more than once. You know, it's clear that there's plenty of implicit biases and systemically racist or stacked systems that are preventing many underrepresented minorities from seeking and receiving quality care. Just a few of the examples and concepts we've discussed have highlighted these gaps. Do you have hope that we can make meaningful change both in the clinic and in our educational programs? Absolutely. I am the picture of optimism. I absolutely believe we can make change. It's just going to be a sustained activity. We can't lose momentum. And this is a marathon that's going to happen because this didn't happen overnight. We're not in the position in our country from something that happened just yesterday. This has been years, hundreds of years of systemic racism that has been going on. And I think the awareness, people have the time to give it attention during this pandemic and the outrage of the inequities that have been identified. If we can continue to have these conversations, they might be awkward. Continue to push forward and looking at what can we do next. Continue to set goals and move forward in what is this next action that needs to happen. Because if we get stagnant and we think everything is okay, then it will be more of the same. But I think continuing to, we are lifelong learners, we are lifelong goal setters. And so setting a goal for, setting a goal to move forward, to diversify our spaces, um, I think it's absolutely possible. I love your optimism because I, I too think that we have 
the ability to make meaningful change. You know, we wouldn't be here having this conversation with people listening if we weren't in a climate that was receptive to make this type of change. So, uh, you know, what changes in our profession or the way we provide services do you suggest to address some of the topics that we've discussed? Maybe some of those things, maybe not places to start, but some of maybe our longer term goals in the way we provide services. Definitely starting with that bias and being intentional about working on yourself having conversations with the people that are around you, your peer group. Um, sometimes it's difficult to talk to someone that has um, a position of power over you, but finding resources to speak to racism, if that's what you're seeing, um, to call it out and identify action steps to move forward to eradicate it so that patients feel in a safe space, that your colleagues feel like they're in a safe space, that your students feel like they're in a safe space in school and in clinic. I think it's those intentional conversations that will continue to happen and being receptive and open, not being defensive, identifying, you know what, this is where we are, we can do better, we can move forward, and just doing better every day. If your goal is to do better tomorrow than you did today, then you're moving forward toward making positive change. Yeah, those are all really great suggestions. Thank you for those. I know that sometimes it's it's hard to continually be intentional on topics that are as mentally draining as diversity, equity, and inclusion can be now specifically in the climate of COVID-19 and some of the social, and all of the social unrest that is happening in our country now. But I really like how you keep using that word intentional because we must be intentional in all of our actions, in all of our thoughts, in all of our plans. Um, and, and that can really help shape that meaningful change that we talked about. So, you know, there's clearly work to be done and you're part of that. Can you explain to everyone the diversity, equity, and inclusion work group that, um, is for, that has formed within the Academy of Pediatric Physical Therapy? Yes, we are a group of diverse individuals and we have lots of um, just variety within our group, lots of experience. We have some um, new professionals young professionals in our group. We have professors, we have clinicians, a variety of settings that are in this work group. And we just really want to um, support the efforts of the academy in making our environment, our conferences, our offerings for continuing education sessions diverse and welcoming and inclusive to all people. And I think we are action and goal oriented and we're always looking at what else can we do? Who else can we support? What, um, what else needs to be done? I really like that. You know, we started our first convert, we started our conversation talking about, you know, really lifting up minority voices and listening. And that's exactly what the DEI work group is doing. 
Um, not only that, but we're starting within our own profession to educate ourselves because we can't change as a profession in who we're serving until we recognize and make those changes within our organization. So thank you for all the work that you're doing within the work group. I know that I've benefited already and I look forward to some of the things that are coming out of the, the group in the future. Thank you. So I think some of our listeners may want to know, is there space for people to get involved with the Academy to advance our understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Absolutely. There's space in the APTA national. There's space within our PEAT section. There's spaces in your state. There are a lot of DEI components that are forming if they or if they already do not exist. And I think, you know, APTA Engage is your first step to look at where you can volunteer and um, participate within the academy. It's important to be involved. And I know that if I did not meet the people I met at conferences that were very welcoming and um, wanted me to participate, I wouldn't be here. And so I would like to encourage and welcome anybody that thinks PEDS is their jam, that knows that PEDS is their jam, for anybody that wants to continue to push yourself to be better and to learn more and to participate and encourage others to find a way to volunteer within the Academy of Pediatrics. The, you know, going through the Engage portal is where you would, your first step. But if you don't see something or, you know, there are a lot of opportunities within, you know, different groups in the academy. And so periodically check it out. Maybe there's not a posting right now that interests you, but maybe reach out. There are state pediatric advocacy liaisons for every state. You know, maybe reach out to your state pediatric advocacy liaison and, um, you know, just maybe that's your starting point. But I think if we, if you want to be involved, there's more than enough work to share around. So it's great to hear all those ways that you can get involved. And I really like that Mika mentioned local chapters too. Don't forget about your state and local efforts that are happening right around you because sometimes those can be the most accessible if you can't get to national conferences and you don't necessarily have connections or don't feel comfortable reaching out on the national level. There's plenty of opportunity in, in many states around the country. Mika, what kind of work is either coming down the pipeline from the diversity, equity, and inclusion work group or resources that you would like to see developed? Well, I do know that the APTA has a new diversity, equity, and inclusion page, and that page will be growing in their content. Stay tuned and always check out your milestones newsletter. Check out the APTA pediatric website for all current information. That will be your best bet to stay informed of what opportunities are available. What I would like to see is the things that we're working on is the things that the APTA are working on are building pipelines and just encouraging students to be involved and stay involved. The mentoring program that the Academy of Pediatrics has, just everybody, people participating more in it, but I'm going to use this word again, but being intentional 
and understanding that the work that you do now as a student, as a new professional, you're learning. So the more you volunteer in different components of the Academy of Pediatrics or in your state chapters or at the national level, if everything that you're using, you're learning something, you're building your repertoire of knowledge, you're understanding the system, and you can move forward into leadership positions. So that's what I would like to see forward, just being intentional about the volunteer work that we're doing for all of us um, and encouraging students and new professionals to ask, you know, ask where, you know, if there's a special interest group or if there's a special area that you want to participate and ask if there's an opportunity to volunteer because more than likely the answer is yes, we need your help. And then that gives you some more experience in in this academy and that's how we move forward and move forward better is that we're all working together and we're including all groups within our academy. I can't echo that enough. Reach out and find opportunities that fit what you want to be doing. I wouldn't be here interviewing Mika if I didn't reach out and get involved on some level. So I, I really do echo that. Get involved. And the Academy wants to hear from us. They want to hear what ideas we have to see developed related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but all topics really. Um, so definitely look on APTA Engage, talk to the people in, in your state and the people that you know who are involved in pediatrics, because more likely than not, if you reach out, there's something to do. So Mika, as we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts or maybe parting words for us as we leave this conversation to do the intentional work? Yes, I would encourage us to be intentional. The word for the day is intentional and it will benefit our patients. It will benefit our clinician to clinician relationships. It will benefit student and professor relationships. It will benefit all of your relationships going forward. But knowing that you have the support within this Academy of Pediatrics, you have the support of your university, um, you have the support of your peer group. And if you are within a majority representation, or if you're in a minority representation where you are, and that could be your age, your race, your sexual orientation, it could be your na national origin, it could be your gender, it could be your um, gender expression. Be encouraged to volunteer, to reach out. And I would just like to encourage the listeners, be an ally, be an advocate seek out the, the needs that you have because there are people that are um, wanting to help and support you. And um, I think it's important to know that we get better because we put in the work. And if you can't, you know, as a student, you're trying to make sure you're passing school and you pass your boards. As a new professional, you're trying to learn all these new things within your specialty that you're working in, but reach out to the academy because there are lots of resources available to help you. And then you have this mentor option that you can be supported with somebody that's been there before, that has some knowledge to share with you um, so that you can continue to grow for what your professional goals are. You heard it here first, folks. 
the word of the day whenever you're listening to this is intentional. So remember that, take that away. And Mika, thank you so much for your time with us and bringing some of the work you do right into our homes with this podcast. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Wow, what a conversation with Dr. Mika Mitchell, member of the APTA Pediatrics Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Workgroup. So much good stuff in that conversation from identifying ways in which our profession can move forward and how to look for or be an ally. Make sure to check out the show notes for all the references we mentioned during the podcast and more. Since recording this podcast, the DEI Workgroup held a town hall titled Pathways to Open Dialogue and Actionable Items as we acknowledge systemic racism and social injustices featuring Dr. Lisa Van Hoos. So keep up the intentional work and give the recording a listen. If you have questions about anything you heard on the podcast, please reach out to us and we can answer your questions or direct you to someone who can. If you found this podcast helpful, don't forget to show us a little bit of love by following the podcast, sharing it with a friend, or posting it on social media. See you next time, and as always, thanks for listening. This is Chelsea Lasky-McFarlane, signing off.